One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to this week's episode of The Nero Show, your home of unfiltered cycling chat. Hopefully the chat you are having in your bunches. In today's episode, we check out some hot YouTube channels and what makes them so hot. The triathlon doping saga. Who's under more pressure at the Giro? Is it Primoz? Is it Remco? And what should you do when you're faced with someone who hates cyclists? Should you engage it? All right, let's get into it. YouTube, 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 Jesse. Um... So the cycling tattooist, Tommy, has just hit 20,000 subs. Massive shout to the man himself. Obviously, you and I will be taking all the credit for that because we gave him a shout out. I think like he was on not many, but no, no putting, putting all that aside, massive, massive shout to the man. And the reason I wanted to, to bring Tommy up other than just to give him a shout out is it seems as though he's a really good indicator of someone who's just managed to find their niche in the cycling space almost immediately. Like from his very first video, he found his niche. And, okay, so we've found, you know, we've had a little bit to do with some of the some of the guys and girls on YouTube, the cycling space so far. And it's almost like there's, there's a bit of a common thread here in the sense that, I don't know, it, it's, it's more than just good luck that they have had a little bit of success in the space. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I was just stoked that when we've had a, the the guests that we have had on to chat with have actually all ended up being good guys and like better than I thought. Like a lot of the time we'd go to record the episode, go to record the show with them, have the chat and then I fish, I'm like, oh, shit. Like I understand why that person is on 100,000 subs and they're a good guy and good chat. And it was just, it's because you never really know. You're like, oh, they got subs because of some other reason, blah, blah, blah. But they're blah. unique sort of in their own way, aren't they? And yeah. that, that's, I think, what's what's kind of interesting. Like if you look at someone like Vegan, he is mad. He is insane. I mean, he, you know, I gave him a little bit of shit about calling him a battler and that kind of stuff. But that that is an endearing term and it comes across like that. He is just a mental fool on a bike and... We love it. We love him for it. So I wrote down a few a few descriptions of the four. We've had four guests on so far. Vegan, he's a crazy uncle at Christmas. Well, we've had Best three as far it. as people are concerned so far. But anyway, oh well, go we got on. one coming. Up. Oh, we'll go into <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, spoiler, spoiler. We Someone got, else is coming. <laughs> well, we're going to name him, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we, so vegan's a crazy uncle at Christmas. Pretty clear. <laughs> Grant, Grant's the friendly neighbor who you go out to. Check your letterbox on a Saturday morning and then an hour's gone by and you've been chatting to them the entire time. Yep, he's, he's a friendly neighbour. Lantern Rouge, maybe he was a hard one to nail. For me, he's like the executive at your business, at the office, who you'd never really see much and you never really talk to, but you know he's steering the ship well and gives you a lot of confidence as an employee. That's, that's Lantern Rouge yep. for me. 
Um, now, should I say the name of the, yeah, the yeah, guest yeah. we're going to get on? All right, the next guest we got on, which the video wouldn't have gone up by the time this one has, NorCal Cycling. Jeff from NorCal is like the cool teacher you had in high school. <sighs> the one, the friendly teacher, you always look forward to their class because you're like, oh, I got, I got Mr. Mr. NorCal. Oh, it's going to be going to be a good lesson. Um, yeah, definitely the cool teacher in high school. Tommy stuff, right? So essentially kind of ride vlog escapism stuff like that that stuff that he's done down in in Mallorca like on the surface maybe this is just for you and I like doesn't seem as though it's kind of reinventing the wheel but it's I think the thing that we're missing is like his personality covers like just covers a lot of, of it almost drives the content through like you're you're there watching him you're not there watching the climb, you, you don't really give a shit about the climb that he's doing. You're there watching him because you're invested in him. Mm. And like both you and I, mostly me, have done – I've done those videos, Like right? I basically made those exact videos, but I can't carry it like he does. Mm. You know, his personality just leaps across the, the TV screen and, yeah, well, mm. leaps across the TV screen, <laughs> but <No. laughs> – if you watch on TV, yeah, I it's, it's to, to me his his is it's pure trainer porn. It's just the perfect thing. It's like you're queuing videos before you're about to get on the trainer, and and he, and it does it well. And the the color grading of the videos is good. The footage is good. The commentary is uh, fun and entertaining without being too serious. And he's also still up and coming as as a rider. He's relatively new to road cycling, so there's that element where he's still learning so he's at a similar level to the people that are watching and it's just the perfect perfect match i wonder if someone like cam right cam nichols og i don't know two hundred thousand subs whatever he is but like i would put him very much in the like the friendly school teacher mold when we were talking now we haven't met cam like one-on-one but that that's how he comes across to me and his his niche he he explains stuff so really well and you come away from watching his videos and you're like i've learned something from here Putting him in the situation of a ride vlog type thing, I doubt would be as um, engaging mm. as as Tommy's stuff. So it's again, it comes back to that kind of niche thing and nailing it, and and yeah, I think you're right. But mo- most people, it takes ages to find what that is. Whereas whereas uh, Tattooist is just like he found it, clicked his fingers, and he was in there, and it was a perfect fit. And now he's on twenty k subs, which is especially. As a new, as we've talked about before, as a new channel starting up, people don't really subscribe anymore. It's not how these platforms work. It's all algorithm based. So to, to hit twenty subs today is like a hundred k subs on a on a legacy channel, yep. like yours kind of yep. is. Yep. Because it's so hard to get subs yep. now because people don't bother. 100%. So it's even twenty k is like really really impressive. Hundred percent agree. And like if if he'd come out and started doing like training vlogs or you know sitting down and, and talking about his training plan like like some of your sort of stuff which you you come away from with so much information it's not the right stuff for him it just never would have cut through you know yeah like him explaining the buying process of a of a polygon like cam's latest video <laughs> like he, he probably his personality the way he works like he would have sort of suddenly given us information that's not relevant and it wouldn't have worked so yeah, yeah. So someone else just randomly popped up in my feed because I don't subscribe to anyone, Jesse. I let the algorithm do its work. Cedric Christofferson mm-hmm. popped up. Now, I thought I was watching triathlon content. Turns out I'm not. 
You could have been mistaken. So he, okay, let's give the background. Cedric was a Norwegian triathlete. He's in that sort of Gustav Eden, Christian Blumenfeld training group, the Norwegian national squad. But this year he's transitioning to cycling. He's on a Conti team because uh, triathlon didn't work out for him. But he's got a YouTube channel and he's doing basically training vlogs. But he's at Sierra Nevada living at altitude, training with the best triathletes in the world and documenting it all. And he's like, <laughs> he's, he's going for rides, taking lactate as I he goes that. through the rides. Yeah. 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 So what, sorry, to cut, what did, why? I, why is he, and then he was kind of saying, oh, I can't do that interval until like my lactate drops and stuff like that. Yeah, you just essentially a way of monitoring a very, uh, intricate way of monitoring the intensity of the training. So instead of going out and being like, I want to do an endurance ride today and my endurance zone is 200 watts to 220 watts, you go out and you go, my endurance zone is a lactate of 0.5 to 1.5 millimoles. So <sighs> you're then testing that to stay in zone two as defined by lactate. So he's out there with a lactate meter pulling over. So that's you and I riding into Centennial Park, going, okay, I've got some threshold efforts today. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. And then and then I would adjust my targeted wattage based on my lactate. Yep. Wow. But but he seemingly was was trying to lower it during the ride. Well, because he was doing an endurance ride, he didn't want his lactate too high. So he's purposely monitoring it to keep it low. And if his lactate response was too high, he might take a rest day or do something different. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's that whole scene. And like, I, I always, I mean, I'm, what the hell's, you know, a Norwegian triathlete doing at an altitude camp? Well, here you go. Go and click on his cheese. I've got like 5K subs. But like, if you want to just see how boring, monotonous, and just interesting and elite, because he's training like a better than a world tour professional in terms of the, the amount of commitment here. Um, it's inter- I'm, I'm very also curious to see how he actually goes on the road this season because he also did a VO2 max test and he was over 90 um, mils per kilo of at a VO2 max. I think it got to like 90.8, which is – I don't even know if that's accurate. That's like <laughs> – that's like that's big Cadell Evans yeah, right. spec. Okay. So I, it, it, it will be very interested to see how he goes in the road season. Yeah, but Cedric Christofferson, go and if, you, if you're real kind of training – into the training space and that's sort of thing. Go and like have a froth because it's fascinating. I think he's edit. He seems to be doing it himself too. Yeah, which is which is pretty. He's got plenty of time because yeah, he's just he's sitting in his anything. altitude yeah. uh, altitude hotel room. Yeah, well. yeah. Did you see the bike that Grant had up recently? The Factor One now, which is an yeah. old bike, well, yep. an older version bike. I'd never seen that bike before, and it's it was kind of interesting. Well, at least I thought it was because it had all this tech in it that they were trying, which we haven't seen, you know, how stuff gets moved through to the next level. That was obviously kind of tried and, well, potentially failed. I don't really know. But there was, okay, so there was the bar stem fork was all one piece, right? It was all one piece bar stem fork. It had a split down tube. Old school, like I think there were Colnago's, aluminium Colnago's back in the day with split um, down tubes. And it had a vented, so 
almost like the the Bianchi ridiculous Bianchi did the little kind of vents. It had mm-hmm. a system like that because of the the joint thing. This just seemed like it passed me by. Obviously, it's a few years old now, but here's a bike with some, which was trying to do some some other things. I wonder. I wonder here, like, why this hasn't worked. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Is it just the fact that it didn't sell well? Well, okay. Well, so this this is like a throwback bike for me because this was the old One Pro Cycling bike, which was um, team doesn't exist anymore, but throwback to them. But there's there's parts of this that have carried on though. So that um, external steerer thing is on the S5. Yep. So that's that was obviously ahead of its time. I got rid of it on the Ostro for some reason. The split down tube, I, I'm pretty sure that bike was like the harshest riding thing ever because it's you've got like no flex through there because you've got four separate walls of carbon on the on the down tube. Um, oh, would, is that save what? I, I don't know. It looked cool, yeah. It did look – so the one – little thing that I do remember is when, so when we were working with Devel and they were talking about the A02, right? So spoilerish alert, Devel was made in the same factory as Factor, right? And so he had some access to some of these molds and they did some mold testing on that split down tube thing. Now mm-hmm. I didn't know at the time that the, the kind of Factor had gone down the same route, but he did show me some, some data on it. And okay, this is... There's no wind tunnel testing. So what they did, right, they used they used a software program. Basically they used CAD and a, and a version of that. Someone, I'll, I'll dig it up and find the actual name of the software, but it, it basically simulated a wind tunnel, right? Yep. And they were making claims. <laughs> Jesus. They were making big time <laughs> claims that I just remember thinking someone's like not carried the one yeah. or something <laughs> in, in these sort of claims. So clearly... Uh, Something's going on. It must be the ride quality. It must be they've just been trashed because, yeah, this sort of happened back in the 80s or the 90s with the Colnago split one. So I don't know. I just kind of thought, thought that was, was interesting because I saw Grant talking about it. I'm like, wow, this bike looks like it's from the future. This bar stem config looked friggin' nice. Like it really looked 8. sick. 8.13. Yeah. Is that right? It's not that. No, it's about That's, yeah. around there. Yeah. Maybe it was the ride quality. I don't know. Well, that must be really bloody old because the even the Ostro now is kind of getting outdated and that's the new version of the one. Mm. So when are the, I wonder what um, Factor's well, going on. All I'm hearing for Factor is that their next bike release will be a, I think I mentioned this before, it's going to be an in Taiwan, in, in Taiwan made frame that will get it down to 6.8 kilo, but basically the van, basically the Ostro van, yep. a 6.8 kilo Ostro van. Right. It's like a lab it's going to be like a lab 71. So, are we using better molds and carbon and something like that. Okay. So, that's that's what I'm hearing off the Interesting. Off the Yeah, but that, that, that bike was, that was that's cool. That's kind of I mean like in, in in this era where all the bikes kind of look the same. I like if you want to buy a bike that stands out, get down the split down tube. I'm like, "Yes, yes, why not? Go for it." Buddy oath. Get into it. We've briefly discussed triathlon. Mhm. Mm-hmm. I feel like some news broke during the week. Well, people wanted it on last week's show. They were in the comments saying, chat about the doping, Colin Chartier. It's doping. Um, can, I, can I just yeah. quickly give an insight into our reaction to that? It's like, oh, God, do we have to now start caring <laughs> about triathlon? <laughs> Turns out we do, and, yes, there is some stuff in there. I, what are we going to talk about? Because really? I feel like when you talk about people almost want an answer. 
But I'm like, what's your question and what answer do you want? I don't know what to say. I mean, I'm going to, I'll chat about sort of different aspects of it. But yeah, like triathlete, like an elite professional triathlete was doping. Breaking news. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just like, yeah, that sucks. I'm trying to think of like, how do I give, how do I share some insights on on this? So it was from your own constructive EPO experience. Way. Yeah. yeah, from my own doping experience. Yeah. I'm just, just kidding, <laughs> fuck. Um, so I think... I th- one of the things to look at is the reaction to the post. Mm-hmm. So I'll re- read through one of the comments, which was kind of interesting. So Sebastian Keenley commented on Colin's Instagram post where he admitted and saying he's sorry. He says, let me guess. You bought it on the internet and also learned how to use it or from the internet. Nobody helped you. Nobody knew dot, 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 dot. 1,900 likes, that comment. This is one of the other things I don't understand, right? It's 2023. Hate to break it to you, boomers. You can buy drugs on the internet. So this idea that he just bought it on the internet and administered it himself is not that hard to believe, especially because he got caught. He didn't dope that well because if he was doping well under a good regime, you would think you would not get caught. That's the whole point of having a doctor. So the first thing on this, like I'm not going to like go into detail, but it doesn't take half an hour to, to go and find where you can buy EPO on. You can buy any pharmaceutical drug and like, like you'd like to think that it gets confiscated at the border when you order it. But yes, it's not hard to buy online. Uh, and also, it's also not a stretch to think that he just knew a doctor that prescribed it. Remember, EPO is not some yeah. clinical drug in a research phase that's hard to get access to. It's prescribed all the time for people that are anemic and coming out of surgery and things like that. So if you just know a doctor, they can write you... You or someone else. You are making one leap that maybe this is my own nearing boomerism thing that causes me to sort of react a bit to that, which is you're then saying that he was happily going to inject it himself and not be concerned about any, have any concerns about the medical impacts of that to, to basically just go home and inject yourself with EPO to me is like, and in, like to make that leap without any professional looking over you, yes, you could go and buy it on the internet. Yep. I totally, that's easy, whatever. But that next step, that's the thing I can't like get my that's, head around. I mean, that is a good point. So firstly, yes, would I inject anything I bought off the internet? Fuck no. That's uh, This is not like encouraging. This is one of the points. It's like you, I feel like we can have a, a discussion about getting these things and that's not us like promoting doping. I'm very strictly anti-doping. But we don't need to be delusional and pretend that you can't buy this stuff online. Fair so, point. but yes, you are true. Like the first thing is, what are you actually injecting when you buy it online? <laughs> well, good luck with that. And then if, 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 I mean, maybe if he did get it prescribed from a doctor somehow, um, I mean, you'd be, I mean, you're not an elite professional athlete. We've What's seen, we've raced with it. Yeah. Even just like going down descent with a professional athlete, they're quite willing to risk riding off the edge of a cliff. So, to think like okay, you almost I think you're kind yeah. of like you gotta understand like the mentality of a professional athlete is I'll do whatever I want to do. They're mm. not thinking about the health repercussions of injecting it. And the other thing here is like That's a good point, like, actually. Nobody nobody helped you. Like <laughs> go on Google Scholar, type in EPO performance, you can find a, a dose that's used in literally three minutes. I did it. Three minutes, there's a research study. And it shows you, tells you exactly what what dose they're taking. So to to think that it's like impossible for someone to buy EPO and find a dose that clinically works is you're dreaming. So that comment there is like, 
I don't think to be against doping, you need to pretend like it's impossible to dope. Mm. Like there are so many reasons not to dope. Mm. It's not that hard to do. And that's part of the first part of at least like getting, catching more people is at least just being real, realistic that it's possible to do. My just, just sort of broad view of the whole thing was it was almost a breath of fresh air. I mean, this is obviously ridiculous, but it was a breath of fresh air that someone got caught for doping and just went, yeah, I did. We didn't have to go through the whole, oh, no, I think oh, I was uh, something someone ate. Oh, I'm not sure. Like, oh, I prescribed it and then it was accidentally I fell over and it injected itself into me. We just got a good old-fashioned, yep, yep, I took that. Yep. I rated that. I'm like, fair play, fair play, mate. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that. But then people didn't even like that either. Yeah, They're like, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, it's just like for someone to come and admit it. It's kind of shocking. And then you get the people, when he admits it, you then get people like commenting, oh, well, you know, everyone's doping. So almost like forgiving it. And okay, that's a niche opinion, but like they're like, oh, well, everyone's doping kind of opinion is also just total BS. Like not everyone is, that's the other thing. It's like not every not everyone is doping mm. at the top level. I mean, there's people that think that. It's not true. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, where else? What else do people want to want to? Uh, people may be wondering how, like, how he got caught. And it's, to me, that's the interesting thing because you, the half life of EPO. Yeah, let's go into this. I think you were you were keen to talk. Yeah, a little like bit the about. tech. If you're my uh, if you're microdosing EPO, which is what they do now. Yeah, yeah. So you're not injecting huge amounts. You're more regularly injecting smaller amounts. The detectable window is really short, which to the point where, from some articles I was reading, if you inject it, um just as the testing window out of competition shuts, I think it's 11 p.m. it shuts and opens at 6 a.m. It's out of your system almost by the time 6 a.m. comes around. So in terms of actually detecting it in someone and the molecule is the same as the natural EPO, so you can't figure out, it's not like testosterone where you can figure out synthetic amount. So it's, it's essentially, if you're microdosing, based on a Cycling Weekly article I read, it's undetectable. Um, inside that testing window. So to think that it's impossible for someone to dope and not get caught is is just not true. Yep. So then you've got the biological passport. The biological passport comes into it, which is, well, okay, we can't detect someone actually using it. So we're going to monitor people's blood values over time every time we get a blood test from them. And we're going to, to, to detect changes in their hemoglobin and other measures, which would then indicate they are doping. Okay, two things on the biological passport. Firstly... It hasn't gotten anyone caught, correct me if I'm wrong, since like 2014. Yeah. Like it doesn't really work as it's intended to work. And the other thing with it, again, there was a, I'll put the link to the Cycling Weekly article. It was really well written. When you go to, so an athlete goes to an altitude camp. They tell WADA or the testing body that they're going to altitude. They have more lenience in the variation in their hemoglobin and the other oh, things. Because that moves. Because okay. it moves it when they go to altitude. So yeah, obviously if you went to altitude, and they might say, well, you were doping because your blood values changed, but that's not the case. So it's kind of like even there's so much like variation in there of like, oh, he could just have just told them he was at an altitude camp. Meanwhile, he's taking EPO and he gets an excuse for why his hemoglobin's gone up 10 points. So there's a lot of, ho- there's a lot of reasons not to get, not to dope. There is also a lot of holes in the anti-doping system. So to think it's impossible that someone, yeah, would dope and could potentially get away with it is also just as delusional. But the interesting thing is how did he get caught in and out on a competition test? Like you'd think, which makes me think he was just doing it on his own mm. because if you were, had a doping coach, then 
and the out of competition test has come up, they're going to tell you to run for the hills. And you yep. get three strikes in a year. That's the other yep. thing that people might not know. You get three strikes. You can miss three out of competition doping tests. Uh, you can miss two. Third strike, you get in trouble. So why would you let the doping controllers test you if you had just injected EPO? Yeah. I mean, your, your point. There's so many could just, yeah. yeah. So yeah. many. It's so, I mean, I'm not even an expert. That's the other, the other thing as well. The, his, so his coach comes on and basically plays full dumb. Proper dumb. He's like, EPO? Oh, yeah, don't really know much about that. Oh, um, so Colin was taking L-carnitine injections, which yes. is also doping. Yep. You can't, no needle policy. You can't inject stuff as an athlete. Even L-carnitine is just a supplement. You can take it. Mm-hmm. You can orally. eat it orally. Yep. Fine. Yep. You can't inject it. So he was injecting his coach. So there was an article. The coach was like, L-carnitine. Oh, I never really heard of that. Don't, I'm like, don't, don't know anything about that. I'm like, really? Like, you don't know anything about L- Like, mm-hmm. I know that and I'm not like... I j- it's just from like following sports science, you should know about L-carnitine injections. Just even one look on the AIS yeah. supplements website. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like there's so many weird things that I think a lot of people are so scared about doping. As soon as it brought, they're like, "Oh, how would you know how to dope?" Oh, uh, EPO. Oh, what's that? Oh, and everyone just plays dumb because they're so scared to be people to think like, yeah, that is. And then so you end up in this weird place where people are just like. Really? No one knows anything about anything? Mm. It's so interesting. I thought the reaction was kind of interesting because like triathlon has so much of the the, the triathlete on YouTube. I mean, the, the whole other part to this is the, the Lionel Sanders thing, right? Who's potentially one of the biggest, like he, he'd be, oh, I'm not going to compare him to someone on in cycling, but he's bigger basically. He's, he's I don't know how many subscribers he's had. Hopefully. Oh, a lot, yeah. 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 And Colin was a... Um, training partner of him and would have a big profile through it. So it, it, it's been interesting watching the the reaction of of other of other triathletes sort of doing their one on one piece to to camera, saying how shocked and disillusioned they are and all, and all that kind of stuff. It's which I don't think is fake. No. I mean, it, that, that's the other thing as well. When you say something like Sebastian Kienle said, mm. where it's oh nobody helped you, blah blah blah, you're essentially implying there's some like systematic doping program. Which is just not true. There's, it's. I think it's entirely believable that Colin was training with Lionel Sanders, training with his coach, and was just running his own doping program on the side. It's not that hard. That's not that hard to believe. And you're essentially what he's here is you're just dragging everyone else through the mud because you're saying that there's no way he did it on his own, which I don't think is true. Mm. The reason I just it's such a frustrating conversation too because I only know what I've read on Google Scholar or in the Cycling Weekly, Cycling Weekly article that interviewed about um, people about it. It's like, it's kind of frustrating to talk about because you're just speculating. You don't actually know what anyone's doing. So it never really goes anywhere. That's why I'd personally, it's like I have recreational interest in it because it's interesting from a physiology point of view. Aside from that, I was just like, we're not going to come on every second week and discuss the latest Kenyan doping thing. It's like, oh. What are we going to get out of that? No. I mean, look, if, if if we got some inside info, someone sort yeah. of, you know, whispered in my ear, <laughs> gave me a little nod, 100%, let's talk about it. But as yeah. you said, like the rest of us, we're just on forums. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's pretty much the research. Away. Yeah. It's like, all right, let's yeah. get into it. Yeah. So I was away over the weekend doing a race, Jesse. And, uh, okay, I want to set I want to set the scene for you here. Right? Story time. Story time from Chris. Gosh. All right. So okay. sit down. Sit down for a moment. Um, so went and did uh, went and did a race. Um, it went really well, and I'm kind of in a a 
really happy state of mind from that. Like, and and I'm I'm in that sort of state of mind where that's all that mattered to me. Mm-hmm. But my, my parents had come up to actually help me out. Um, they came up to help me, and one of the the points of doing that so the the race ended in Inverell, which is in regional New South Wales, and then that evening. Dad was meeting some of his old schoolmates. He went to school in Tamworth and he was meeting some of his old schoolmates in Armidale on the Saturday evening. Right? Mm-hmm. So we drive from Inverell to Armidale, um, settle in and go to the uh, restaurant, pub for, for the meal with, with his mates. And I'm obviously going along like I'm a 12-year-old again going to <laughs> going to dinner with my Sounds parents. Sounds like torture. Yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> But I know some of the, some of these guys. They're good, solid, salt of the earth dudes, whatever. And obviously, it comes up in conversation. Mum and Dad are pretty proud of what I did on the week on that day. And Chris here won this bike race, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And the guy that I was sitting next to me, all right, turns sort of turns to me and goes, "Oh, you're one of those lycra dickheads." Mm. Now there was there was no sarcasm in that. That mm-hmm. was a genuine like this. Yeah, you know, you know the character, right? Mm-hmm. So at this point, I have two options, Jesse. Mm-hmm. I have two options. Option one, I engage this. We spend the next hour physically engaged, physically good, discussing where his bigotry has come from. I'm defending probably some incident that he has seen or heard about about a cyclist blocking traffic one day, or that we're all messing up the cafe, whatever. It'll be an incident. We'll talk about it. And maybe at the end we get we get somewhere. Option two, and I'm sad to say option two is what I chose on that day was, <laughs> anyway, the uh, Tigers are doing well, aren't they? <laughs> Complete deflection yep. just went into whatever subject I thought he might be sort of keen on. So my question to you here is, have I done cycling a disservice by not spending that time with him? What should have I done? Have you had a similar experience? Well, it sounds like you've out. got some regrets. I would do the exact same thing. It's like, oh, that's not going anywhere to try and be like, we deserve to ride on the road and we're not that annoying. Because like cyclists are kind of annoying. Like, <laughs> like you get stuck behind them and I, I mean, I get it. But yeah, like, no, not. So you no would, you would no. Pretend, okay, no. see, I, I do have regrets. You're right. You've read me well. Really? I, yeah, no, I did. So, okay, so I have had, you know, the odd shouting match with a, with a motorist um, on the road, mm-hmm. which is not the right place to have that conversation, in yep. my opinion. That's always going to end badly for both of you. Here I was in a situation that, yeah, I was tired, whatever, but I had the time to sit there and we could have gone through it. Worst case scenario, Jesse, worst <laughs> case, he hates cyclists even more, <laughs> okay? Best case scenario, maybe he gives us a slight more meter on the road. You're already doing your bit by being a cyclist that he knows. Jeez, that's, that, was, that, was, that was easy. <laughs> that's helping. That's helping. So next time he sees it, he's like, next time he sees a group of cyclists on the road, he might picture you and maybe... I mean, hopefully you're friends with him, so that doesn't that helps uh, yeah, out. Not but really, you know, but yeah. like you don't need to be like an activist for cyclists mm. every time someone hates. Like, gosh, life's too short to get involved in all that. That to involved in all that crap. All right, so um, yeah, I mean, I'll I'll take you I'll take you on that one. But what what about um, in terms of like interacting with like motorists and stuff? This is the other one I see all the time. 
is you're riding and it'll also often happen like maybe you and I will be riding together in Centennial Park, for example, and someone's maybe sitting on and then, okay, um, a car enters from the side, side of the street a bit close because they don't really see you. you got to brake for a little bit and go past. Now, me, I know drivers suck. Most people are on their phones. They're not looking. We're hard to see a lot of the time. So it's just part and parcel of riding is like unless someone's intentionally being a dickhead, then I'll give them some back. But if someone's just driving like a moron like most people are, I don't really care. It's like, yeah, you didn't see me. I'm not going to go and like wave my arms around and make a scene. But there's like people that I, sometimes it was a guy on my wheel yesterday and a car did that and I'm just like, cool, you didn't see me, you know, whatever. And he's there shouting and waving. I'm like, dude, this is so embarrassing. Like, plus a lot of the time we're not saints either. I oh, break yeah. a few road rules every now yeah. and again too. So like, we, I hate that sort of, you're on the, yeah, you've been riding someone and they're on their high horse, like shouting at cars and stuff. It's just like, I don't know. There's always, in, for me, it's like intention. If someone's like intentionally being a, you know, yes. being a dick. It's obvious. You know, yes. tell them like, that's not right. But if someone's just driving, like not paying attention, being an idiot, you know, most of the time they see you and they go, oh shit, oh yeah, sorry. There's like you shouting at them makes them just go, oh. like. I'll push cycles. back on you slightly. In, I, I mostly agree with you, but I'll push back on you slightly in that sometimes you're underestimating like how maybe even in the box that person who shouts is because, okay, the, the time when I get really shouty, and you've seen this with me, is like if I'm going hard or something like that and someone and I'm really focused on like bike riding and I'm not I, – I, you almost have to start pushing the other things outside and then the incident kind of thing happens. Yeah, the guy just made a mistake, blah, blah, blah. I will go back hard because I'm I'm already like adrenaline's up, etc. Mm. And I'll go, fuck it. You've seen me do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it, it tends to happen when yeah. I'm like doing an effort or something. So my, my slight pushback there is potentially that guy who did that was in that sort of mind space as opposed to you who was probably just chilled, riding a bit of endurance, happy days, whatever. Yeah, car goes past. I don't really mm. care. My one little piece of advice at the moment riding around, mm -hmm. and I, I've been following this recently, is that anytime you see the driver with a mask on, give that car oh. <laughs> bulk room, bulk room. I, I don't know what's going on with, and especially people in their car by themselves wearing masks, whatever. It's probably you usually an Uber driver. Yeah, but there's no one else in the car. But anyway, whatever, you do you. Um, they just can't see. Like the peripheral vision, <laughs> I'm sorry, when you're wearing a mask is abysmal. Like you can't see there and you can't see there. And I have started to really look for it. Like when I look at the car, like you obviously look for the Uber or something like that. Uh, you look at the wheels. That's always a bit of a gauge, like where they're sitting in the, the lane. And then I'll always <laughs> see if I can see that little bit of mask and then just like, oh, cautious. Wide berth. Wide berth. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think that's the first time we've ever done cyclists, motorists stuff here. Oh, there yeah. you go. It's uh, ticking all the boxes. All right, guys, let us know. Your thoughts. Cyclists overreacting? What do you think? Pro cycling. Mm. What a... What? <laughs> <laughs> no, don't oh, be like that. Okay, all right. Don't be like that. In fact, Come on. No, no, no. So I'm going to... Actually, I'm going to mention this, right? So uh, I had a chat with Jay the other day and he, he, made this, he made this cutting comment. You know, he has this way and it's not... He wasn't having a dig or anything, but it's just like he was sort of talking about like influencers whatever, 
and how we basically piggyback off the hard work of pro cyclists. Oh, hmm. okay. I let's rated go. It. No, I rated that yeah. because he initially I was like, but he's kind of right mm-hmm. in the sense that like if he doesn't exist yep. and these races don't exist. Yep. Okay, we, we don't tend to talk about them, but they form the kind of foundation of really everything, don't they? Or am I like, would we would we be as nope. no? Okay, not at all. Right. I'd be more than happy just to talk about cycling YouTube and gear chat, and I mean, we barely talk about pro cycling as it is. Yeah, but the. It all leads from that, like the the performance of them, the kit that they're wearing, the training that they're doing, the tyres that they're running. I feel like it it does kind of all come from there. Only because they exist. I mean, if they didn't exist, someone would be using the best equipment. Someone would be using the best kit. But why? Someone would be... Well, this is an existential What do you question. mean? Well, there's always someone... Okay, if, it, if there was no... But this is weird, like, there's always going to be a competitive cycle. Like, if there's no world tour, then you have, okay, maybe the... The NR, the National Road Series is the highest okay, level. Okay, so there's still bike racing. There's I mean, still, I mean, unless you're saying they're going to get rid of bike racing altogether, there's always some level of racing that's at the top. Mm. Okay, um, but that's kind of his point, really. Yeah. I mean, without whatever the racing is at the top, mm-hmm. okay. we cease to exist. Okay, Jay, I don't mind. Okay, it. Jay, no. Oh, here we okay. go. Good luck getting Col Nargo to pay millions of euros a year for your bikes if people don't watch YouTube and recreationally cycle and buy those bikes. You're supported by the influencers and the everyday cyclists oh, riding. Good, I like this. Yeah, it's yep. on. It's the other way around, buddy. You're the you're the workhorse getting put to work for our entertainment, not the other way around. We're always going to exist. People always want to ride bikes. You're only there because you've got the funding from us. Yep. Okay. I like that. I was under this illusion that it was like this symbiotic relationship where sort of, you know, yin and yang kind of now, yeah, sort of works off each other. But maybe you're right. Maybe maybe we're the foundation. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, there's a long intro to uh, the Juros <laughs> coming up. Good luck, Jay. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, good luck in that last week. Holy People will, uh, the other thing is like that conversation we just had, mm-hmm. pick a topic. It's yeah. a, people will be like, oh, that's a bit. Like, no, bit. no, that's a chat with Jay Vine. That's yeah. like we're yeah. doing that on everything. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, good luck in that last week, Jesse, um, Jay. That last week is – that's – have you seen any of this? Well, no, I, I have downloaded the Lantern Rouge Euro Preview podcast. Shout I out. haven't listened to it yet. It's a good like two-hour one. So I'm going to listen to it this after, uh, Yeah, this afternoon. So I don't really know anything about – I all I know is, is that uphill time trial stage – and everyone's like, the, the Primoz is going <laughs> to blow up stage. That's the only chat I saw. So that's, I'm glad you brought up Primoz because I have a question okay. for you. Yep. I don't really care about the rest of it. Yep. Who's under more pressure to win this race? Is it Quickstep and Remco mm-hmm. or Primoz and Yumbo? 100% Remco. You can't be Quickstep and have Remco Evanpool on your team and not win a Grand Tour. The guy is just the absolute top talent that exists. If he doesn't win, that's a that's a shocker. He's worth way too much to be kicking around not on the top of the podium. Disagree. So if you look, if I got, we got to the end of the Giro mm-hmm. and Remco had won 
and Primoz was second, the talk would be Primoz is done. Yep. The talk would be he's missed his window. The the big big budget teams won't be in, involved anymore because you know obviously uh, Jonas has, has taken his spot in the Tour de France team. Um, he's his career will be viewed from that point on as a eh, bit of a slide. Now he could change that. Don't don't get me wrong, but that would be the narrative post race. Okay, mm-hmm. flip it the other way around. Primoz wins. Um, celebration, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yes, Remco's race would be viewed as a failure, but there would still be the, the expectation would still be there, and therefore the pressure would grow for the next race. But I don't think it would be as like terminal as such for his career as as Primoz. Well, how many how many uh, Grand Tours has Primoz podiumed but not won? I feel like he like every year he pretty much doesn't win a Grand Tour. And this would be another This would one. just be another like, one. But, another but, one where he doesn't win. But this is the first time he's gone after this race. And as I said, the, the dynamics have changed within that team that now this it, him just podiuming, podiuming a well, Grand Tour isn't good enough. Well, they've got Vingegaard who's going to win the Tour. So do Jumbo Visma really care if Primoz doesn't win the Giro? Yes and no. Do... Quick step care. Is that their team name, by the way? De Kernick. Oh, God, yeah. De Kernick, we're, we're wrong, uh, aren't we? Doors. Uh, is there a door Alperson in there? Alperson De Kernick, isn't it? Yes. Correct. Alperson De Kernick. Yes, we should Do Alperson right. De Kernick care if Remco doesn't win the Giro? Well, they're not going to win the. That's, what else are they going to do? Okay, I agree with that. Yeah. So and their it, classics have sucked. You're, 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 you're dead right. Well, I agree with you on that. The team okay. split, 100%. Yumbo will be like, meh, whatever. We'll, we'll do well in July. Um, and have done well all year. But you're right. Quickstep have got a lot more invest. Oh, come <laughs> yeah. on. Come on. You're like, where can I twist oh, this man. around? <laughs> De Koenig, Dor, yeah, Mapai. Um, yeah. So, yes, that, I, I do agree with that one. Speaking of, okay, this is r- real tangent. We're looking at, we got carpeted in our apartment. We're looking mm. at getting flooring done. Mm, Went into the flooring showroom the other day. Mm. What do I see? Quick step floors. They stock it in Australia. Mm. And I like I want a quick step floor. Mm. I was like, we're getting laminate, we're getting quick step. It's uh, what a flex to have okay, no one knows cycling. Chris comes around. Hey Chris, I got a quick step floor. Well, Good, isn't it? Little 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 tad bit here, uh, our shower head. Bora. Bora. Ooh. Nice. <laughs> just like uh Did you leave the sticker Peter on? Sagan, uh, little sticker little label. Yeah, yeah, it's just a little bora hey, bora it's flex. So cool. I, I love it. Mm. Yeah. And some Sudel sealant. Dad uses a bit of that in the tractor. Beautiful. Nice. EF kit. Am I going to throw to that now? Yeah. Okay. okay. That's, yep. Is that it? Is that the intro? All right. If it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. EF kit. All right. So the EF kit has been released, the switch out kit. Now, I can see your eyes glazing over. I Okay. So it's a sustainable materials situation, 75% sustainable materials. I do like that. So that they're releasing a range around that as well. Uh, I was a bit of a critic of their previous sustainable materials stuff. The quality was kind of shit. Like the, they had sustainable materials. You always know with Rafa, mm-hmm. right? You always know with Rafa if a line gets discontinued so it ends, goes almost straight into the archive sale and then discontinued very quickly because their stuff normally repeats over and yeah. over and over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. If something gets discontinued, there's something wrong. 
Okay? So there was something wrong with that. They were very thin and not very nice. This is a new look at that. I'm really, really interested in that 75% that might not sound like a lot, but in the, the garment game, that's a lot of sustainableness. That's going to be – that's a lot of – that's a lot of recycled plastic Germany bags. Germany, like how the hell do they recycle? Do they undye the fabric? How, no, the no, no. So here? it's recycled materials from what I gather. Now, oh, God, I'm pretty sure on this. All right? okay. I'm pretty sure. Uh, but, for example, like it's sustainable polyester and that will mean that that, could, that can literally be um, recycled plastic bags. Like turned because that's what polyester is. It's plastic, right? Yep. With spandex and everything sort of infused into it. Oh. So it's not like they just got a lump of old Jesse Coyle bib shorts <laughs> and put it in a mulcher, right? And churned oh, out a new set. No, okay. right. no. So it's you know that would be that would cost a lot of money to do that. Um, yep. So it's sustainable sort of materials. I think in the past they were around like forty five percent sustainable. Now seventy five is higher. I think that's kind of a good thing. I've got no issue with that. The design itself, I do like. I will say it's a little bit mappy. Just going to say that. Just going to Ma- say that. Mappy as the brand or mappy as the brand? As the mappy as the brand. Team. Okay. Yep. 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 Yeah. Um, okay. Do I do like the bib shorts. I think they look ridiculous. I'm a big fan of those. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and get my hands on them. Nice. Basically. I think they will suit the Sydney... N N E N R what's it called N R N S zero zero one just perfectly yeah people like this stuff sells so cool. I remember we were, we were blah, 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 when we were on the team and they would like they came up they released the palace kit when they did that and the guys are literally on their phones like oh it's it's sales opening up in a minute sales opening up in thirty seconds and it sells out like that uh, when they do these limited releases with the team it's they're they're really hot and this one is. Should be no different. I mean, it's just like a thrown up color tutti frutti thing, but that's cool. Yeah. I rate it. I like. And I've, I've sat here in the past and said I want to see more like collections and from all the different brands, like collaborations and stuff, because that's what happens in the sneaker world. So I'm a big big fan of this this sort of stuff. I know it's not. It's more about creating froth from the brand rather than actually like moving lots of units because they don't tend to make massive money on on these sort of things because they're small, such small limited runs. It's probably why they sell out so quick. Yep, yeah. yep, 100%. Any other Jiro chat for us? What's your what viewing setup going to be for the Jiro? Do you have any – are you going to try and – are you going to go in trying to do like hour highlights every morning? Are you going to do the stay up till 11? What's the plan of attack here? Plan of attack. I'm really glad you asked. I'm going to try a new strategy. Okay. A new strategy. Yep. All right. What's the protocol? So I we should have asked Lantern about this, but I, I find it the way they present the podcast for the race is they don't give away the result in the title or the the way it's actually described. So you can actually listen to it and it will play out the way the race plays out. Mm-hmm. That's my strategy. I'm actually going to listen Okay, and then eventually get the results. I find listening to the podcast a really easy thing to do in the morning. I can actually just have it in my earphones while I'm doing other things. Mm-hmm. And then that evening, if I do get that bit of time, yeah, I'm going to watch it. That's mm-hmm. that's that's how I'm going to play it. Okay. okay. It's a new strategy. I haven't tried it before in the past. I'm not going to do my social media blackout uh, before I listen, um, 
to try and get all the way through to the end of the day, I'm just going to go for the podcast. In Australia, is this SBS? This isn't GCN app, is it? The viewing is on SBS? I will be VPNing for VPNing. people who ask. Yes, okay. I will be VPNing and uh, using GCN Plus. Okay. Sorry. Okay. I might need to try that. That's what I wanted. Yeah, I wanted to just find the TV, messing around with the recordings on the TV Ugh, and the ads you got to skip through. Okay, I might try that. I might try that. I do want to really try watch it. Watch it this. I'm gonna go. I'm going in. I'm going in optimistic. I'm gonna try to do like a good hour, good hour in the morning every morning. Try and catch up. Highlights or skip to the last twenty and watch. It depends how good the highlights are. Sometimes I get frustrated with the highlights. They don't show the right thing. So it's Russian roulette. It's if you do the skip though, you're gonna miss the move. Mm, I don't mind doing the skip. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty keen. So yeah, I think I'll start off. I'm gonna start off. Yep. Go GCN app. And not the highlights, and just try and pick pick the key moments. I'm gonna I'm gonna try at least. Yeah. Where does where does Twitter come into this for you? Well, it's absolute no go zone. Okay. Any social media until I've watched it. Okay. Which yeah. is why it's gonna have to be a morning morning. Thankfully, I don't ride in the morning, so I kind of got a bit of time when I wake up to to get through it. So yeah, and then no social media until I've done that. Okay. Yeah. It probably will last three days, and I'll just end up on the four minute highlights. I want to have this chat maybe with with Lantern after the after the Giro, but. So cycling commentators, I'm okay. I'm not hating on you, but I think it's all being done wrong. All right, I do want to talk to the boys about this. Right, right. I feel like we're we're being presented cycling like it's football or basketball or something where there's a person who calls the play by plays. So you know, talks talks about what's happening specifically. The play by play commentator, the Matt Keenan the Carlton Kirby, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And next to them is the analyst or in the American sports, they'll call it like the color commentator. So it adds a bit of flavor to, to what's happening in, in NFL. For example, someone calls the play and then the color commentator comes over the top and says, well, in this particular circumstance, he was blocking and you get the actual insight to it. And cycling commentary is given to us like that. Mm-hmm. It's wrong. The reason it's wrong is because we already have a template for what works in long-term commentary, something that plays out over days. Can you name a sport, Jesse, that plays out over days, maybe five days? Cricket. We have a template for how this can work. Mm -hmm. It's two, can be three guys and girls sitting there literally talking the shit, doing this while the race is unfolding. I am probably, you're probably too young to remember like Tony Gregg and Bill Laurie. You would tune in to the cricket at the point that they were commentating because you knew that they were on and it was just pure banter. It was, yeah, if you know, you know. But, yeah, those two, and it's not as if you then missed the game. Like the game was still happening in front of you and they were giving you what was happening. But alongside that was this conversation that was taking place. I feel that's what we need to get to when it comes to when it comes to cycling commentary. <sighs> Is that an Australian thing though? Like imagine I guess in Australia you could do it because the SBS have their own commentary team. But like I'm imagining people tuning on and being like, well, I don't like this banter. Why am I gonna watch this? So American viewers, I don't watch any baseball. So American viewers, how is baseball presented to you? Because it's a similar format to cricket that plays out over hours and hours. I'd be very interested to know, is it a play-by-play guy and a colour or is it banter? 
you know. Um, again, I, I'd, I'd like to have that chat with Benji and, and, and Lantern post post Giro, but um, yeah, just something that popped up yeah. in in my brain while I was cool. while I was thinking about it. Uh, totally unresearched truthful facts. Week three. Bike shops will be dead in 10 years. Here's the future. Strap yourselves in. You buy a bike, it's all direct to consumer. Every single brand. You shop online, you pick it, comes to your door. All bike shops are removed. If you would need to get your bike serviced, it's all mobile mechanics. Hmm. Buy your bike online, you get your, your tune-up van comes around once every three months and does your service direct from your house. You don't have to drive your bike off to the shop. And that's how that's how it all works. Buy all your parts online and bike shops are gone. Thoughts? Yeah. I mean I can um it's unresearched fact, so I can't really debate it. It's it's a fact. <laughs> um yeah, I mean I, I don't disagree with you really. Uh I feel like there's still a No, I like it. Yep. Yeah, whatever. Yes. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, he could oh, come I'm up bored. with it in Yeah, sure. <laughs> I actually, I actually managed to change my own two, two tubeless tires yesterday. Wow. Chris Miller. I got two flats. In the last two weeks, I've got two flats. I've uh, had flats yeah. for like years. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I got two flats recently and I had to put new tubeless tires on and I did it. And wow. I did it not even ghetto system. Like oh. I did it with an actual foot pump that has the, the little like thing in the it. Chamber. Yep. Blew it up. Easy. Happy See? days. Well, well done. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, I don't think I didn't bring any unresearched facts this week, so uh, well you're lucky because I got two. Oh, good man! All right, we're gonna we're gonna finish on the um, back on the doping chat. No, right? I spoke about spoke about altitude, right? These these altitude altitude hotels that you're seeing people use, right? I reckon it's all smoke and mirrors. So what you do is you stay in an altitude hotel, so you can tell the anti-doping that you're at altitude, and that's why my blood values are going to be increased. Okay. Then when you get to the altitude hotel, what they do is they pump in various amounts of oxygen and nitrogen to simulate altitude. But you actually simulate sea level or, or actually under sea level with more oxygen so you recover really fast. And then you just microdose EPO while you're in there. And then so the, the, you don't get detected. You get the good recovery because your room's at sea level. And then you get the blood boosting effects of the EPO and you can't get caught because... On the biological passport, you've told the doping control that you're at altitude, you're and that's the reason for why your blood values are improved. Okay. So, yeah, altitude hotels—they're just doping hotels, and yeah, that's how that, that's how it's working. Yeah, I'm on board. That's my theory. Good. Yeah, I write that. I got no issues with that. Cool. I think, and on that bombshell, on that absolute cracking bombshell, we should probably finish up. Please do leave us a rating. It makes a massive difference. There are going to be some changes happening to the way podcasts are ranked. Ratings play a big role for us. That's a big help. Subscribe to this channel, like this video, and subscribe to Jesse's channel because he's churning out some bloody good videos recently. Even oh. pains me to say. Thanks, Chris. It really does. Mm. All right. All see right. you next week. Well, I hope we don't get cancelled. And if not, see you next week. I thought you were going to say, I hope I don't get <laughs> cancer. Jesus. <laughs> All right. See you next week, guys. <laughs>
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.